Albert Brooks defends his life. Johnny Depp does blow, and Sorcia Ronan gets violent. This week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine every single week, taking back 30, 20, and 10 years back in the history of pop culture from this very week. Uh, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm trapped near the center of thought. <laughs> and, and, and who else? It's me, Sarah. It's her, Sarah. And man, uh, just one of my personal favorite movies to talk about this episode. Ooh, uh, uh, strangely, Coast to Coast debuts in, in Comedy Central. In every single category. I found that a little odd. That doesn't normally happen. And just so much fun stuff to talk about. If you don't know what we do, we go across three decades from when we're recording. So as of this date, we're talking about April 2nd to the 8th in the year 1991, 2001, and 2011. That's 30, 20, and 10 years ago. It'll help you structure your memory. Because uh, I, yeah, I, I have a ton of vivid memories around this week. And I find I find it absolutely wonderful that I get to talk about a movie I never hear anyone talk about. And there was so... <clears throat> never mind. We'll get into that. <laughs> Uh, Got to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Man, that Dan Amrick episode is up. It is hysterical. I laughed editing it the fourth time. <laughs> that's how that's how silly I've been with it. And uh, I cannot wait for you guys to hear that. Our erotic thrillers laser time episode. Patreon.com slash laser time supports all that, including Video Game Apocalypse, who do a 30-2010 game show. We obviously, if you didn't hear last week, we're going to talk... All we've been talking about uh, over chat is the 3DS launch, so we'll talk about all that on patreon.com slash laser time. It's way rockier than everyone remembers. Sold like shit, price was discounted in like three months, uh, and the Japanese executives came out and took a giant shameful bow in front of their stockholders oh. and the public because of how poorly this thing did. And then it turned it around so hard, everyone forgot how much it failed in the beginning. So I cannot wait to talk about that. <laughs> Um, and we'll talk about that this week on Video Game Apocalypse as well, a 3DS-themed thingamajig. But remember, you heard it here first. 30-2010, April 2nd through the 8th. Normally, we get into the movies first, but sometimes there's a little bit of news. This is technically television, but I'm putting it in news, uh, just because we have other more notable things in TV to talk about. The Comedy Channel and Ha has merged into a single channel. The rather confusingly titled... Especially if you're Canadian, CTV, the Comedy Network. You are watching CTV, the Comedy Network. And that's because in three months, so not to get sued by Canada, it'll become... You are watching Comedy Central. <laughs> and that's, I, I just can't imagine an early promo without Pendulette, but it happened. It happened. <laughs> no! Lies. I refuse to believe this. Anyway, welcome to welcome to the movies of 30, 2010. 1991, April 2nd to the 8th, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. The Secret of the Ooze is number one at the box office. We have a commentary for our patrons up, uh, joined by Diamond Dog Dave Rudden. So patreon.com slash laser time again. But that's not what we're talking about. We've got to talk about everyone's favorite, Hanging with the Homeboys. <laughs> with John Leguizamo, Mario Joyner, Dougie Doug, and, and Esther Serrano. I... I did not see this. No, I I tried to remember this, and I was remembering something else. And I was remembering some other John Leguizamo early vehicle. Uh, I'm not sure which one it was because it's not this one. This one, I mean, it's about four different dudes who like, you know, live in like a shitty neighborhood, and they have these sort of coming of age adventure type things where they like solve their problems. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds eh. 
And then like Roger Ebert freaking loved it and said it was like an ethnic version of Diner or American Graffiti. And I was like, okay, this is clearly not the movie I was thinking of. I was thinking of um, something stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Hanging with the homeboys is supposed to be like, yeah, it's okay. Other reviews were like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's it's nice to have this kind of movie that's not just, you know, a bunch of uh, white dudes in button down shirts. Yeah. And it's yeah. it, even though it sounds like a first year WB sitcom that <laughs> that you wouldn't yeah. Yeah. you wouldn't watch with someone else's eyes. God damn, that's does, a terrible title. Does John Leguizamo though make a ton of bad choices? Like I feel like his yes, choices but but, are also, but, al- but also but also like the, you know I think I thought it was the past, which is okay, like yeah. one of my lady's favorite movies ever. Like but like he, I'd say he makes interesting choices. And he makes definitely makes interesting yeah. choices. I don't know that they're all bad. No, no, or I wouldn't say they're all bad at all. Them, there's, there's some where like he's great in a. Good. There's, there, I've seen so many cases of where he's great in a terrible movie. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. coloring my view of it. Yeah, I always like John Leguizamo. Always have, but um, yeah, but yeah. Maybe I, I'm just thinking of Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. <laughs> I think this is this is predating his his show where I was introduced to him, House of Buggin on Fox. The, uh, the supposedly the Hispanic and Living Color. I'm sure we'll talk about it soon in 30 2010. Uh, right. The next movie uh, is more notable for the people in it than the thing they made, but it sounded sort of interesting. I didn't get around to watching it. Uh, starring patron saint of laser time, Robert Loja, Fisher Stevens, uh, everybody's favorite brown face actor, Paul Reiser, Elizabeth Shue, Kim Basinger, and Alec Baldwin in The Marrying Man. What's Adele going to say? Step up to the altar. What's her father going to say? We sent out 400 wedding invitations. We'll get in a note as soon as we get back to LA. We're kidnapped and forced to get married at gunpoint. At gunpoint? What is that? A new crime wave? They grab people on the street and make them get married? Do you still want her? <laughs> I wanted to see this so bad because of a, a couple episodes of this show, I we have completed our rewatch of 30 Rock. And by rewatch, I mean I work and do stuff and the girl mm-hmm. watched it for the first time. I love, mm. I'm love. i so in love with Alec Baldwin, as you'll find out in the next segment. Uh, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I've always thought he, I cannot stand him as a serious leading man. I think he's a wonderful comedic talent. And I didn't even know he had like a balls out comedy during this mm-hmm. period. Like yep. he, he knew that about himself. The shadow is so stupid. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, the marrying man is a farce with Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger, who would go on to make many movies and people. Or <laughs> yep, this is where they met. Right. Wow. This is this is the beginning of La Romanza, and oh. uh, it sounds like that kind of made it suck to work on this film because oh. you know Ooh. they're. Very focused on each other. And Our leads are going to need 15 more minutes. Our leads yeah. are going to oh, There was a lot of that. A lot of walking off the set, not showing up on time, wandering off. Uh, Messing up your fights. hair. No. Yeah. Having sex hair. But to be All fair, if you, were, then, if you were either Kim Basinger or Alec Baldwin, what would you do? You'd have sex I mean, with the other one. How could you not? Yes. It's yeah. like, let these beautiful people fuck each other. Please. <laughs> Please. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's already, it's a, it's a very farcical, goofy concept that, you know, uh, he's a rich guy who's supposed to go get married to this other lady. That's a theme for this episode. Mm-hmm. And he has an affair with Kim Basinger, who's dating Bugsy Siegel. And so he forces <laughs> them to get married as mm-hmm. punishment. And then like, like, oh, it's okay. We'll get annulled. And then they see each other again and they like end up getting married again. And they end up getting mm-hmm. married like four times throughout the movie. But everything I read is like the pacing's like that's 
there's a lot of cute stuff in here. The pacing is off and you kind of feel like some people don't want to be here. It's written by Neil Simon of all people, huh. which apparently that was a breaking point because Kim Basinger complained to Neil Simon. I don't know who wrote this, but he doesn't know comedy. Oh, Not no. Realizing who she I was do. I was to. in blind date. <laughs> One comedy. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, Baldwin called it the biggest mistake of my career right after it came out. Oh, like, what? let's could we not torpedo it? Can we just pretend everyone can pretend? Oh, no, we're really proud he's, of what we worked on. No, he's Alec Baldwin. He's weak. Like he's weeks away of quitting as Jack Ryan to make a bunch of great decisions. <laughs> My word. I mean, let's be honest. Alec Baldwin does not have the best track record of, I don't know, saying words that weren't written for him. So <laughs> I disagree. I love that man. Yeah. I love that Ooh. man. I've been doing yeah. impressions you know of him all week. Lemon. You know <laughs> the weirdest thing about this is it's directed. It's the follow up by the guy who directed Brave Little Toaster. Wow. And he kind of didn't really get to direct anymore. <laughs> I don't remember who that was. That was my Jerry Reese. It was uh, Pixar people before Pixar making that movie. Very little toaster. Yeah. What a charming movie. Yeah. And so, what... and he also worked on uh, one of your favorite Christmas specials, the small one. Oh, I love that special. And Tron. So yeah. He, yeah, he was an animator. I don't know how the hell he got moved up to this gig. And it sounds like he couldn't keep control of the set and the movie failed terribly. And um, everyone forgot about it. Yeah. I even tried to find like a movie poster of it and I couldn't tell if I... Is there any official movie posters out about this? This all looks like third world bootleg photoshops and then like one <laughs> 1930s poster. But as far if we're talking about charming movies, mm. I don't think it gets better than the last movie we're talking about this segment. I, I just want to say this is notable for Little Christopher as being the first non-animated, non-kids movie. I walked in on the ending for the end of the movie when my parents were watching and I'm like, what the... This looks awesome. What was that? Can I rewind it when you're done? And like, they look at each other and I'm like, yeah, I guess there's nothing objectionable here. And like, this is like the first adult movie I can remember ever liking. And mm. I, I feel like that has to speak well of me because Lee Grant, Rip Torn, Meryl Streep, and written and directed and starring Albert Brooks, who I now know just fucking rules. One of our greatest, <laughs> our greatest director. Every statue built to Woody Allen should be replaced with a little befrowed Albert Brooks. And, and, and mm. maybe my favorite movie that he may, he's ever made, Defending Your Life. From the beginning of motion picture history, Hollywood has tried to show you what the afterlife is really like. Good afternoon and welcome to Judgment City. Do you have any idea what's going on? No. Well, in a nutshell, you're here to defend your life, and I'm going to help you. Defend my life? Finally. Wow. The first true story of what happens after you die. Where am I? Is this heaven? No, it isn't heaven. Is it hell? Actually, there is no hell. Although I hear Los Angeles is getting pretty close. <laughs> In watching this as an adult, every time I see it, like I get more out of it. It may have mm -hmm. informed my whole dogmatic philosophy. Like, there is no hell. We just... Do you move forward? Do you advance? Did, did your life have meaning? And I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. Defending Your Life, just a fantastic movie. Watched it again last night. Mm -hmm. it, 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 this is the first time I've watched it. If you like The Good Place. Fuck yeah. and, yes. And want a, a version of The Good Place that is a little more simple with less twisty turnies, but like a really fun, absurdist no, look at, That's no. <laughs> at the afterlife. It It's so charming and like so pretty yeah. to look at. And and. I don't know. Albert Brooks doesn't always get credit for being like visually interesting, but the movie is visually interesting. Uh, yeah. 
and and yet it's so bland yeah it, it, it is it, he, he you know he dies and he's going to judgment city where you know you have to review your life and explain yourself and see if you like became a better person and then you can either get reincarnated or you can move on and uh, both for very clever budgetary reasons and you know for, for a reason that makes sense in the movie that was saying like look you guys all died in southern california so this should look like vaguely southern california <laughs> to they did, as they, opposed to just saying the afterlife is irvine and you're all yeah. stuck here but in, instead of cars they use the decom- the recently decommissioned universal studios trams I was gonna say that looks like what you get on to go find your car at Disney World. Yes, that, that's exactly what it is. Done for the day. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I think I've only had it written down. Like as a kid, I thought it looked incredibly visually interesting, but given how drab the '80s was in general, like it, no, mm-hmm. it does not hold up in that respect anymore. It yeah. just, it's just it pretty like to look at. A, though. a series of really interesting office parks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that makes perfect sense too, because I mean, really, Judgment City is just purgatory. Yeah, Yeah. a pleasant purgatory. Everything's efficient. (laughs) Yeah, but nothing's like great. Like the best thing about it is that you can eat and everything tastes amazing. You can eat whatever you want and it won't affect you in any way, which is my idea of heaven. But I, yeah, I (laughs) love this movie. I've been... I don't know why. I don't know what's been going on recently, but I've been thinking a lot about dying and what happens when you die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know why that's I I did. Yeah, I had one because I remember I recommended the body a while ago, like just not thinking about how much death everyone's had to confront. So if like that's the only caveat I'll put in this movie with maybe two or three. I think we're all a little sensitive to Asian stereotypes and negative depictions right now. And I I don't know Mm -hmm. if I would have said that like a month ago about defending your life, but it does just has like three moments. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that's not mean. And that's not, yeah, it's not racist. It's just, I don't like that right now. (laughs) Yeah. But other other than that, it's, it's flawless. Your kids can watch it. It's to to me, like, like just, just discussing the afterlife. There is, there is no heaven. You just advance. You move forward. You don't go back to hell. You go back to earth to try again until, Maybe you're eventually thrown out. And they set it up to review moments of his life like a trial with a prosecutor mm-hmm. and a defense in front of judges. And that Albert Brooks very coyly like boils it down and like, no, life's all about fear. Like, how do you mm-hmm. deal with fear? Mm-hmm. Are, does yeah. fear make you an asshole? I'm like, yeah, fear does make people assholes. Does fear it's make true. you selfish? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And, it, it, <laughs> and these advanced people are constantly pushing him like, stop being afraid. And mm-hmm. I, I, I still, I found something very pleasant about that on this rewatch. Like, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spending well, re- a year afraid in my it. house. <laughs> yeah, re- rewatching it, a lot of things I hadn't really thought about jumped out at me. It's like they, they narrow down what the movie can be about very cleverly. Yeah. Where you know, it really, if someone dies early, they go to purgatory. You expect the movie to be about like, I don't belong here. I've got to get back. Right. I've got a woman I love or something. And they're just like, no. Once you get there, like, you feel fine. Like you, he says he, you immediately accept. No, I'm dead now. It's a romantic my, comedy. My but I family think, that I, I love, they I miss them. He but says he has dogs okay. and kids and a wife, and he, but it's a romantic comedy where he falls in love the moment after he dies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which by yeah, the way, just, I mean, everyone there just do just accept. Like, okay, no, I'm I'm dead. That that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And all, you get all that stuff out of the way. There's not even any like panic about like, oh my god, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just. No. I really like that they dispense with all of that. And they oh. just kind of put you right in the story. Well, that and fun. <laughs> just to like move the story along. Everyone just accepts what it is, which would make sense. I mean, if you're in purgatory, you're just like, 
I don't want the pies. <laughs> I'm going to give you nine pies. I didn't ask for those. Don't want the pies. <laughs> I love trying to do Albert Brooks because, like, all he didn't make that many movies. He made, like, seven? Nope. And, yeah. and I don't think we've talked about a. Have we talked about another one of his films? Because they were like mostly late seventies, no. early early eighties, and we started the show covering eighty six. We've talked about the Muse and Mother, right? Which okay. are, we talked about the Muse, which are both okay. Yeah, they're no, not completely. his great films. His his first four are both like each one is as good as the last one, if not better. But, yeah, uh, but, we got what Defending Your Life, Lost in America. Uh, real life and modern romance. Modern romance, mm-hmm. and uh, which was just in classic corner and and yeah. yeah. But Albert Albert Brooks was great, and this is a great uh, way to jump into that. A, li- a little less like fart, less fart sniffy than Woody Allen, and less like uh, oh yeah. yeah, way way more fun than mm-hmm. Woody Allen. And I, I I do like too that the whole philosophy is based around not living your life in fear because. Yeah. I mean, I Hopefully. think a lot of our public persona that we know of Albert Brooks is kind of like neurotic guy, yeah. you know, and yeah. a lot of being neurotic is based out of fear and anxiety. And so battling that is, you know, how you evolve. I think that's a pretty interesting way to oh, wow. view how you should live your life. And everybody calls it, I think, something different. But I feel like being brave is Pretty good one. Pretty I, good tenant. I had it written yeah. much worse than that. That it, it was something I never really took away from just having the, lived the last year in abject fear and, mm-hmm. and and just for appropriate reasons. But yeah, to live without fear is a life can, can be a life well lived as long as you're not decimating other people's shit and feelings. But yeah. but we didn't. Even, he, yeah, I was I was sort of thinking about that. Like, what if a, a total psychopath? Should- up. He's like, no, I feared nothing, not even the law, not death. And that's why I stabbed that guy in the face, because I knew there was nothing yeah. that he could, he could do to me, because I am a god. There's a lot of sociopaths uh, out there who don't fear anything right now. Some of them uh, just got their Twitter taken down. But oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's why it's maybe a better way to put it is be brave instead yeah. of don't You're be right. afraid, because... Yeah. Bravery implies something active, something that is like uh, you have you're asserting there. Whereas, don't mm-hmm. be afraid is or don't have fear is yeah, like psychopaths. And, and uh, uh, didn't even say Meryl Streep is in the movie. And I just said this about Postcards from the Edge uh, last year. Was it last year that I, mm-hmm. I rarely ever see her play a regular person, and she plays this adorable romantic lead that is wonderfully believable. I like don't know of any other roles where she's just. She's the Renee Zellweger character, but but funnier. And yeah, she's just great. Like she's mm-hmm. just a wonderful person. Like she's not too perfect. Mm-hmm. She just seems like a wonderful person that yeah. you'd be really happy. Like, of course, you're gonna start to like have feelings for her because she's just adorable. Yeah. So I talked about this. I went really in depth on this on the Papaholics podcast. Mm-hmm. They invited me on and said bring a movie you want to talk about. And I'm like, well, I got to bring something from 1991. So I brought this. Most of them had never heard of it. I don't think really? any of them had seen it. And I was so happy that they all really enjoyed it. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, yes, this is a movie that is enjoyable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's yeah. joyful. There's not, there's just a few couple of 80s things that may take the average person out of it, but it's just, it's very nice. Well, one of the 80s things that did t- kind of take me out of it is that, you know, it's this place where you can eat all the food that you want and it all tastes amazing. It All that food looks 80s as yeah, fuck. Dude. Like, it does not look She she great. ordered Like, we've really evolved in our, like, food taste. So you can eat whatever you years. want and she wants three pounds of bland Alfredo. Like, there isn't, there isn't even a sauce on that. Yeah. Where's the bread? Yeah. What are you doing? It's, it's yeah. But it's... Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we had a, an interesting talk, and I mean, we all agreed that, yeah, Meryl Streep is, her character's a little underwritten. Mm -hmm. Like, she's just sort of good and shiny, and that's about it. And I was bummed, though, that none of them, I don't think, got the joke about Shirley MacLaine hosting the Past Lives Pavilion. <laughs> Oh, that's that, a joke that is not held up for a lot of people, and that makes me sad. I think it's, it's, it it's still sort of doesn't because she's not dead. She, no, she's still not no, dead. That makes it funnier because yeah. she believes in all kinds of like past lives and uh, and reincarnation and stuff like that. And she co-starred with Meryl Streep in her last movie, Postcards from the Edge, and that's how they got her. Yeah, they they apparently and that uh, second she pops up, you can hear someone go, "Oh my god!" Oh my god! There, someone you can hear people freak <laughs> out that oh, like like Big Bird on SNL. What the hell? Uh, <laughs> why? What is she doing here? She's not even dead yet. Uh, but I, apparently they've had a back and forth. Uh, she sort of introduced Meryl Streep to Albert Brooks at Carrie Fisher's house. You oh. want to be in my movie? Oh, and, wow. and 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 she, and Meryl Streep's like, yeah, cool. I'm in. I'm in. I didn't know it was that easy to get a hold of her. And then, like, if you <laughs> if you watch Terms of Endearment, Albert Brooks is her husband in the other room that you never see. He's the voice or on the phone or something like that. Oh, oh and sure. So he's got a he's nice little relationship with Shirley MacLaine. Uh, oh. And anyway, like it all ties in back together, doesn't it? Uh, but but defending your life was wonderful. Like I, it's my the first time I ever saw Rip Torn, who oh, I just oh, I just God. love. He's so, so funny in this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's great. I don't know. I don't know what you call what Rip Torn does. This like quietly exuberant old man. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what you're, like a quiet Egg McMahon. Oh, sure. He's like a perfect lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He's a really good lawyer. Like that's how lawyers talk for sure. Uh, yeah. So it's on HBO right now. I think HBO Max. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Like it wasn't very successful at the time. Uh, it just got a Criterion edition with really? a bunch of bells and whistles for its 30th anniversary. Yay! Oh, cool. And yeah, I feel like if if you haven't heard of this, which I I feel like it's more a movie you haven't heard of necessarily a movie that you've forgotten about. Mm -hmm. I I, I, I had that written I down. Like defending your life because my little baby brain he. He's defending his life. He's going in a courtroom, going back through flashbacks of negative and positive aspects of his life. I confuse a ton of this with Scrooge when I was a little kid. Huh. I, the, the Ghost of Christmas Past segments, they're about the same era, like late 50s, early 60s. And I I remember when I finally like watched Scrooge, I'm like, where's where's the goddamn paint scene? And uh, <laughs> uh, where's the goddamn... I can't do Albert Brooks on, on purpose. Ah, it sucks. But, uh, but I... I I love that man, and you should really check out Defending Your Life. Albert Brooks has had a great <laughs> career, recently lost his brother. Love that dude. Uh -huh. Love yep. that dude. <laughs> oh, and yeah, there's a bunch of things in there. It's like, even though I haven't watched it for a long time, that there's sometimes when I do something, I fail physically at something really bad. I just think about it being in my montage of bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yep, this is going in the montage of bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Where I thought, oh, I can carry all of this up a ladder. Oh, I dropped all of it. Oh, it's everywhere now. Hosting podcasts for 15 years. What the fuck? What yeah, using the circular saw and cutting the entire sawhorse in half and it all falls down. <laughs> yep. a, a chainsaw cutting through an outdoor umbrella. <laughs> that... <laughs> Uh, this movie's. I don't. You're not going to do much better than this movie for this week. I nah. really can't recommend defending your life enough. HBO Max. Moving on to television. Prime Suspect debuts in the UK. Someone tell me something. Yes. About that. Oh yeah. I went so, back and found a promo for it, an original promo for it. No it really made me want to go and rewatch all of it because I watched a lot of it through my parents watching Mystery mm -hmm. when I was young on PBS, which. 
yeah. still has the best opening credits by Edward Gorey. I love it so uh, much. Um, yeah. But I used to watch time. it just to watch those and be like, okay, it's I'm so good. good. I love Edward Gorey <laughs> so much. I love Prime Suspect and I love Helen Mirren. This is, I think, mm-hmm. probably a lot of people's introduction to her. And it made me want to go back and watch some real British murder shit. Because Sam and I went through <laughs> a big British murder show phase a couple years ago. And they that stuff is, it's great. They, that's one of the best things they do is murder <laughs> shows. <laughs> Especially Midsummer Murders, which is my gentle murder show that I enjoy. But Prime <laughs> Suspect, back to Prime Suspect. It's because it's murder over there is gentle as it is unlikely. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, there are not enough guns, so yeah. you're not just like bang, shoot, well, point and shoot. Everybody's like, poisoned. That's what <laughs> makes the murders yeah. so interesting, is because it's got to get they got to get a little bit weird. And of course, like six times out of ten, there's some weird sex thing that's also part of it because the British <laughs> are like really into that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I pulled the original promo; just it tells you the whole story of. On Prime Suspect. Female murder squad officer. When Jane Tennyson is promoted to chief inspector. I'm now in charge of this investigation. Her all-male team is unhappy. You don't need her. You don't like it. Put him for a transfer. And her first case. You've been dead maybe an hour. Could destroy her career. Running out of time, man. Yes. Helen Mirren stars. What if you're wrong? I'm not. In Prime Suspect. That was a good description. Clearly, yeah, it really promo, lays but, it out. Yep. Uh, I, I gotta love her. <laughs> What's her job? Uh, murder squad, lady murder squad officer. Yes, that is the most first female <laughs> murder squad. Murder officer. squad lady officer, which is that sounds like TV executive boggle. Like you well, <laughs> that's what they call homicide departments overseas. Oh, really? The murder squad. Yeah, because I, I there's a fantastic mystery book series by Tana French. It's called the Dublin Murder Squad series, and it follows Irish murders. And I think it's being made into a television program. But yeah, so they I call think, it murder I, squad. I think they should book <laughs> themselves in like a bunch of venues and have trick people into thinking they're rappers. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. Also out this week. Uh, yeah. Anyway, oh, oh, I should mention. Uh, so Prime Suspect, they kept doing these until 2006. There have been yeah. seven series of them, like a couple episodes, you know. Gotta love the Brits on that. I'm going to take on. a decade off. Is that okay? Is that <laughs> yeah, my show? exactly. Sure. Um, and, then, and then Separate But Equal, a miniseries with Sidney Poitier as Thurgood Marshall. What? Yes. Gloria Foster. Oh, they look nothing alike. But who cares? It's Sidney Poitier. I have never, ever heard of this. The most important legal battle of our time. We're going to fight segregation head on. Hailed by critics as one of the greatest courtroom dramas ever made. Powerful and moving. Valuable and compelling. Valuable. What a great what a great, great week for courtroom dramas and comedies. Hello. True. All our attorney listeners out there. By the way. No, we, we got a, a two-night thing with... Um, it's Brown versus Board of Education. Right. Yeah, it's the one that struck down separate but equal, which is good. That is a good thing. But, man, this cast is like crazy. Okay, so Sidney Poitier and Burt Lancaster mm-hmm. was Richard Kiley, Cleavon Little, Gloria Foster, Jeffrey Wright, Lynn Thigpen are both in there. It's like, geez, Louise, this thing is stacked up. And I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure there's big speechifying <laughs> about doing what's right for all Americans. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Segregation. It's stupid. Don't do that. Sir, someone got an Emmy nomination. Uh, the exact yes. opposite of everything Diana just said could be said. <laughs> Married with Children spinoff. I think we we looked into this on on Laser Time that like 
the world wanted Matt LeBlanc to star in a sitcom very, very bad. And like, it did yeah. not take for him until the ultimate sitcom. I don't know how you can luck out more because he has been the star of more failed sitcoms than like most actors that I know, including I think one of two failed married with children spinoffs top of the heap yep. with also with Leslie Jordan, Rita Moreno, Lauren Adams, um, Joey Lauren Adams, Joey Lauren Adams. Shit. I can't read backwards. Matt LeBlanc and Joe. Bolo- Am I going to say baloney? Joey baloney. Joey bullshit. That's what we call him. Uh, but American actually with Cho- Joe Bologna. Joe Bologna. Yeah. That's probably, that's how my grandfather would pronounce it. But uh, Top of the Heap, a Married with Children spinoff. This sounds terrible. Meet Charlie and Vinny Verducci. If you were a woman, what would you find most attractive about me? Your son. They may not have much. We need a miracle. Oh, well, good. Maybe Moses will show up, part the urinals, and we'll walk the freedom. But what they've got Hi. is each other. I have to- wow, they just got boners with their pool cues. That's what I remember. We did it later time about backdoor pilots. These were not uh-huh. characters on Married with Children. They were inserted in so the public would have some awareness when they launched their sitcom next month. Mm. They did. They were not organic, regular characters. Bad, bad, bad. Top of the heap. Yeah. Last a few, a handful of episodes. I want to go have a dinner party with these people <laughs> because Rita Moreno and Leslie Jordan are both people I love very much. It's true. Uh, they deserve better. And, <laughs> as, yes, they and sure then they do. ended up getting better. And so that's okay. That's true. Uh, and they deserve more games. But like uh, this is where I don't go as in-depth with the games on the uh, Patreon show. Patreon.com slash laser time. The Vigic Apocalypse Boys. I'll go way deep, including arcade releases, uh, obscure PC games. And we'll talk about them for as long as need be. But the music of 1991, April 2nd through the 8th. Coming Out of the Dark by Gloria Stefan is still number one. Um, we have some other new releases to talk about. Mama Said by uh, Lenny Kravitz, Main Attraction by White Lion, Word of Mouth by Mike and the Mechanics, Alanis, the actual debut of Alanis Morissette. I almost said Alanis, like the lost city of Alanis. Uh, a t- yeah, yeah. A teen pop album, Just in Canada. Yeah, when Jagged Little Pill came out, they made a big deal. Oh no, this is her debut. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is her major label debut worldwide, but Canadians know better. They do. Don't you? They do. Real Life by Simple Minds, The Ghosts That Haunt Me by Crash Test Dummies. And Massive Attacks, Blue Lines, which is on the Rolling Stones' 500 Greatest Albums list. We're going to close out with Unfinished Symphony by Massive Attack, but man, you got to stay right there. The episode only gets weirder as we move forward. Coming in with There It Is by Genuine off of The Life. That's bringing us into the year 2001. April 2nd through the 8th. Genuine! I have not heard this song before. Uh, (laughs) But we have some other new releases, stuff we all may have heard of, such as No More Shall We Part by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Mutter by Rammstein, Arrival by Journey, Crown Royal by Run DMC. What decade is this? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, From Here to Infirmary by Alkaline Trio. I had that album. I Don't Care That You Don't Mind by Crash Test Dummies. Again? Again? And none of this contains the mm mm-mm song? Jesus. Nope. Room Service by Roxette. (laughs) Just in time. Roxette is one of the most 90s sounding bands ever. 
Uh, the Yin and Yang by Capadonna is also out this week. And Butterfly by Crazy Town, who wants their lady to come. It's back at number come one. Come, my lady. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. Come, my lady. Um, they're yep. all wearing See, fedoras. And- I thought that was the most 2001 thing in the universe. And then I found something <laughs> more 2001 that we will go out with. Oh, sweet. Wow. Oh, sweet. I can't wait. Movies of 2001, as we discussed last week. Spy Kids is, uh, I don't want to say a surprise hit, but an interesting hit. And it's number one at the box office. I thought that was real, yeah. real neat. Like I think Robert Rodriguez movies typically went number one for like a week or so, but they they were understated at the time. They weren't like household names. And oh shit, he made a kids movie with his kids and friends, and everyone loves it. It's just a good feeling, and not a bad film. Just visiting uh, is out. Oh my god. Oh no. With Jean Reno, Christina Applegate, and Christian Clavier. This is is this oh. a, a French remake of a, a remake of a French movie starring the people who starred in the French version? Right. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. And the French movie, Le Visiteurs, was a big old hit about, mm-hmm. you know, a guy, a knight from like the 12th century, and then he gets sent to the future and wackiness ensues. And it was the, such a big hit, they thought, oh, let's remake it as an American comedy. That never works. I, I, I think it uh, I think it worked better under the original title, uh, French Black Knight in Reverse. What? It works. Uh, but it ne- just They've done that so many times. And it never works, man. Look at you, Taxi. Man, and I did <laughs> Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon's hit Taxi. I, I had that on a previously viewed Blockbuster DVD somewhere. I've never wow. watched it. And I was shocked because I thought I saw this movie and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't have Ashley Judd in it. Yeah. <laughs> what? Color me confused. Yeah, I was very it's confused. The sequel. Morgan Freeman, Monica Potter, and Dylan Baker, and along came a spider. For forensic psychologist Alex Cross. Sanji ditched the patrol car near Reno Park and put one bullet in the driver's head. This is a message. What's the message? I'm ruthless. I'm methodical. I'm in control. There are some criminals that can't be profiled. Hello, Alex. I've left something for you. You want to see this? No, I don't like scary movies. <laughs> I've not seen... What is this a sequel to? Uh, Kiss the Girls. Kiss the yeah. Girls. Okay. It... I watched a little bit of this. It's on Showtime. And it's actually kind of fun because there's like, and again, I didn't watch it all the way to the end. It's also dumb. Like, <laughs> it's uh-huh. not it's not the kind of thriller that's like, ah. but it kind of reminded me of um, Die Hard with a Vengeance because it <gasps> seems to be like there's a lot of riddles going. Like the, the best Die Hard? The bad guy is kind of a riddler. Yes, the best Die Hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, man. You you should watch at least like the first 15 or 20 minutes like I did because the 2001 depictions of the internet oh, is no. really, really funny. Like they, wow, it is a movie written for people who did not get on the internet. <laughs> it looks like our suspect has his own AOL keyword. I'll just type it in. and <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty. Keyword murder. You're joking, but it's it's kind of close to that, honestly. Oh, oh man. Well, yeah. I I just realized we do have there's there is a theme with our two 2001 movies we're going to talk about. They both have actors who went on to do a whole bunch of other stuff as tiny tiny babies. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize. Oh, Anton Yelchin is in this, and he's oh, like shit. 11. Mm-hmm. Really like it's a guy. tiny tiny baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, R.I.P. And that Alex Cross. I was like, doesn't that do Tyler Perry plays in? Yes. A yes. Movie that I can't I think- remember. That might is be called it, Alex Cross. <laughs> aren't these based on James Patterson novels? Yeah. That's yeah. Alex Cross character that James Patterson writes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kiss the Girls was like kind of a, a surprise hit. So they mm-hmm. made a sequel like, all right, well, obviously we have a franchise now. And this one, like the reviews are bad. It made some money, but not great. And then everyone just kind of went, mm, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a movie to throw on while you're folding laundry or mm. something like that because it is like there are some scenes that I saw thus far that are very just entertaining and how wild they are, especially <laughs> the opening chase scene where Mar- Morgan Freeman's partner dies oh, no. while she is an undercover officer trying to catch a serial killer. Spoiler alert, a car flies over a dam. <laughs> Does it go like this? <laughs> It was very surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Along came a spider. Um, not the Little Mermaid sequel you were hoping for. Ooh, and this this movie, man. Um, oh, my God. A lot this of sittings. Uh, this, is, this to me is hilarious. This comes off as so hilarious now. This movie is so unintentionally funny. Yes, yep. it is. I mean, it, the wig work alone yeah. is... <laughs> The, the wow. wig work, the, wigs. the the polyester assortments, but the the, the I want to be Goodfellas so bad that I'm going to hire the so lead of Goodfellas, bad. and and, and oh, like yeah. I have a feeling like when every dude like slightly touches themselves and imagine being a movie star, this is the role they're imagining for themselves. It is so corny, yet part of Johnny Depp's New England crime trilogy with uh, <laughs> with Black Mass and Donnie Brasco. Is that one of them? I forget. But no, yeah. what's that other oh, one yeah. where he's like an old timey gangster? Um, Black Mass. No, he's not. He's not, he's not he's like seventies in that one. I know what you're talking about. It's not Mordecai. <laughs> no. Public Enemy. Okay. Is that Dark Public Shadows? Enemy? That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> but Emma Roberts, Rachel Griffiths, Ray Liotta. This is why I saw the movie because like. Paul Rubens was in a movie for the first time He's... in a really long time. <laughs> the best part of this movie. He is yep. the best part of this movie. Penelope Cruz and Johnny Depp in Below. We were young, rich, and in love. It was perfect. There are a few people in life. That's the little import-export thing in Miami. Who get to have it all. I know what you're up to. Where did you get this stuff? Columbia. I bring you in. This is how you pay me back. You get to keep it. Look, George, this is business. I'm great at what I do, Dad. You would be great at anything. Low rated R. And and sadly, Ted Demi's last uh, film that he he would complete. I think he co-directed a documentary, but someone had to finish it for him. But Ted Uh, Demi died just died suddenly of a heart attack. Three years younger than me. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Thirty-eight. 38 years old, and um, I, I really did like Ted Demi. I, I really did. This is sort of his big Hollywood movie, and this did this did pretty well. I just like mm-hmm. I I watched it a lot as a younger kid, and now I just sort of can't stand it. But it is, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's interesting now that I've watched like a bunch of Narcos. Like this is like the unseen U.S. side of everything that's happening in Narcos. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. When Cliff Curtis walks up as Pablo Escobar, mm-hmm. oh, I, wow. first of all, I laughed because yes. I love Cliff Curtis. That poor guy, <laughs> he's taking the jobs of a hundred thousand Latino actors, <laughs> all all manner of ethnicities. He is played. Yeah. He he's is all everything. over the place. <laughs> yeah, I love when he just shows up for like a scene or two, and I'm like, ah, Pablo. Yeah, I really um, like him. Yeah, it it wants to be is trying to be Goodfellas so hard, mm-hmm. and the pacing is so slow compared to Goodfellas, it, dude, and it's just oh. There's a surreal moment early on in the film that Johnny Depp is narrating like Ray Liotta, but Ray Liotta yes. is on screen and they're using a song from Goodfellas. Yes, like what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. This should be illegal. <laughs> like, it, it, yes, <laughs> it felt. It feels like a 
30 rock version of yeah. goodfellas <laughs> like and all the acting is to the rafters yeah. like they are acting at 15 out of 10 yeah. their levels every single person and i feel like paul rubens is the only one who gets the joke and yeah like, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, paul because... rubens is like he's like over the top on purpose not for right. dramatic effect but for character effect yeah. i guess yeah. I, yeah. yeah i mean it is a fascinating story uh, george young is a real guy he's yeah uh, i believe he's out of prison now good for him yes. who was part of the funneling cocaine from pablo escobar's cartel to the u.s and at mm -hmm. one point was it involved with 90 percent of the cocaine trade into the u.s yep. mm -hmm. at the height holy jeeber creepers that deserves a better movie mm -hmm. because there's <laughs> It does. There, it just, it, you know, there's a lot of cliches. And yeah, I mean, real life sometimes, well, some of these are cliches for a reason. You know, the, yeah. the big rise, the big fall, the getting uh, backstabbed by your friends over money and having problems with women, whatever. Uh, uh, Penelope Cruz, I'm surprised that the, she's in so much of the marketing because she doesn't show up till halfway through the movie yeah. and has like four scenes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's barely in she's, it. But she's on the cover of the poster and the DVD. Yeah, here's, here's my giant complaint hmm. rachel griffiths oh. is a fantastic actress mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love her in everything six feet under hillary and jack fucking everything she plays johnny depp's mom <laughs> she is five years younger than him mm -hmm. also uh. ethan suppley plays his best friend yeah back yeah. when he was he i always forget how big he was he was such a yeah. big guy it was yeah. like I'm worried about him. And then he lost a whole bunch of weight. And he's like, he's still a big guy, but yeah. yeah. Uh, this, and he was funny. I like that. Also, I think where this movie goes wrong is that this guy is like such a huge cocaine magnate, basically. It doesn't seem very fun. Like yeah. <laughs> his job does not seem very fun. And I know I'm sure there were some parts of the job where he was living large and, you know, but they kind of just do that through a still photo montage. Yeah. They, and then everything else is kind of devoted to the troubles of being a cocaine magnate, right. which I guess on one hand is good because I guess they're saying, well, we're not going to glamorize it. But on yeah. the other hand, if you're making this movie with these actors chewing this scenery, you should <laughs> ha let them have some actual fun. Like, you know, I want to see yeah. a big party. I want to see like yeah, you know, people you throwing handfuls yeah. of cocaine in the yeah, air. There's not a lot of, yeah, there's not a lot of fun bombastic moments you could recreate in parodies that occur in yeah. the film it's just sad and yeah it just seems like a lot of work yeah and for for insane amount of money that you don't seem to be enjoying yeah right like i mean they show them with boxes of money just filling an entire apartment they're just ah, i think there might be room behind the closet no there's no enough closets full of money mm -hmm. giant stacks of money everywhere and it's like um shouldn't you be like doing something with this money and <laughs> know, then finally I, they're like oh, i guess we'll put it in a bank in panama i'm like don't put it in a bank i'm no, i'm i am i am as a basic straight white male i am not immune to the charms of these type of films but as i get older right. it's just like uh don't need that many women two three years 2.5 guys i'm out it's been 18 months wonderful time gonna yep. hand it over to my second command and i don't want to do this anymore good night mm -hmm. i would love to sell cocaine for 18 months at this level <laughs> and then get the fuck out. And it is a weird situation where he like, they usually don't let you get the fuck out of this business. <laughs> You're not really allowed mm. to walk away with secrets. No. Um, but yeah. he did something like that. Yeah. Just not a little, you know, can I tell you my weird experience? This is like neither here nor there. And this is like weird therapy practically, but like, uh, mm. I was a uh, 21 and I was like, 
you know, depressed, having trouble with college, didn't weren't, uh, didn't know where I was going to go, just assumed I'd stick around my hometown, work at the state, wanted to do creative stuff. And my mom set me up with a friend of theirs' daughter who was older than me, and she was in this movie. She has a couple lines in the party <laughs> sequence. And I, it's so vague, but I had like a multi-week non-romantic relationship with this older actress from Blow. We bought each other like birthday presents and we would go to bars and hang out. And and I, I can't remember her name. And I watched this whole movie like, who was she? I'm like trying to watch this <laughs> fucking film. Uh, but just nice lady. Sorry, that that's what Blow always makes me think about. This friend I had for a very, like three or four months. And uh, yeah, I, I, sorry, I have nowhere else to say that. But like, that's what I was thinking about when I think of Blow. That's what uh, so, this somebody, show is for. Somebody, somebody who <laughs> went out to Hollywood and just like, Eh, I don't want to do this. And then came back to Tallahassee, Florida after being in a major motion picture. And, you know, you can imagine my like, what? You were in a movie and stopped? You're an idiot. And like, <laughs> now I get it. Now I get it. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes you don't need that stress. But Blow. Uh, the soundtrack is good. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, Scorsese. overall, it's like, it's hard to complain about because, yeah, it it's a bad photocopy of Goodfellas. But mm-hmm. that's still a pretty good movie overall. It's yeah. like, it's. Goodfellas didn't have Bambalam. <laughs> Bambalam. Black Betty. Bambalam. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, some of it is almost worth it just for the the amazing wigs and the re- incredible costumes. Because, of course, we're talking about the time of the ugliest, bizarrest clothes yeah. in the world. And the hair. 70s. And yeah. hair. A real bad hair. And the people yeah, with the most like, money and most and most energy problems. Yeah, um, so it's like overall, it ends up being like mostly fun. It's just how unevenly it's paced is the thing that kind of surprised me. It's like, come on, like I know how this is supposed to go. You know, the the huge rise, the fall. We got some montage. We got some seventies music. Come on, Boogie Nights made it work. Bam, bam, chop, chop. Let's uh, go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think part of this too is like how much I don't take johnny depp seriously anymore as an actor now in 2021 so watching him do earnest roles like this in 2001 i think also colors my view of his acting and stuff but that's that's sort of what i was getting at earlier because his performance here is like what i think a really lame guy from 2002's impression of a cool guy is and i just like every with every line like his ray liotta's take i just roll my fucking eyes didn't get didn't get like a little, I got a little over halfway through the film, but like I, I, I had this Infinifilm white case DVD, and I watched it very, very frequently back in the day, and I, I've never loved yep. it. And I, hmm. it's hard to describe something like that. I watching a movie over and over that you don't love, but it's true. Yep. Those, those, such were the two thousands. Um, speaking of watching things you don't love over and over again, well, let me get to TV of two thousand one, April second through the eighth. This is not a segue into NCAA March Madness Finals. Duke beat Arizona. Oh, man. The, uh, Duke uh, sucks. Yeah. The Royal Pavers beat the Bluebirds, I think. <laughs> I, I don't know what this means. Is this good? Uh, you got, like, one of them right. Like, one of the words in there was one right. One of the words, yeah. Is, is, what, where's where's the state of Duke? I, anyway, but, but... North Carolina. <laughs> I, know where, I know where it is. I used to pay attention. I had NCAA basketball for the Super Nintendo. They were the best team to play as. A show I have memories of, but watched over and over again, because there were only eight episodes. On the 4th, uh, the 4th of April, 2001, 20 years ago, I love the theme song... <laughs> He's the president in residence, he's kind of in charge, he's got the whole country saying, that's my bush. Life is hard, that's the price of fame, when you're president, everyone knows your name. 
It's not Bush. I love this fucking theme. Every, everybody was already sort of making fun of sitcoms from just 10 years ago. But Trey Parker and Matt Stone, only a few, like five years off of South Park, create their second show. That's my Bush. Yeah. A sitcom starring the living the current president right and they were going the deal was they would make a show no matter who won the 2000 election i remember watching election night and seeing an ad just saying no matter who wins this tv show coming soon and i'm like what are you talking about and then in some ways i guess this one upside to bush winning is that he's a better sitcom star than gore I, I have... There, I found the one tiny silver lining. Congratulations, <laughs> one million better Iraqis. I, I have <laughs> fond memories of the show because it got canceled after... Not I forget how they, they said it. It cost... It was the most expensive show Comedy Central had ever made. It was $1 million per episode. And if you think of something like a production like South Park done with very simple computer programs, like this just looks like a network sitcom uh, on a network sitcom budget, but it's a parody of sitcoms from 10 years earlier. But I remember our, my friends and I were disappointed because it didn't bring in that South Park edginess or grossness, except for the one time Laura Bush mistook George W. Bush's decree to cremate a cat was about her smelly vagina. Uh, yeah. Oh the, no! There's the anti-abortion episode. That's where true. Find out the the anti-abortion group was led by a literal fetus. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that it, was disturbing. But I, the way they made it sound is like everybody got kind of bored of doing this again. And it, it was it. It's one of those things that's hella admirable to talk about. If you've never seen Marcia Wallace, the voice of Miss Krabappel, I, I just didn't grow up in an era where I could recognize her on sitcoms. Like the voice of Miss Krabappel coming out of a human woman on the show, and uh-uh. she was funny and sassy. I didn't hate this. I didn't hate this. I don't recommend going to rewatch it. But I'm bringing all this up because, like, a, a I was a Comedy Central nerd during this period for like the for like ten years. That was the thing mm-hmm. I obsessed over. I watched reruns of everything, and I've probably seen every one of these episodes like forty times. It, it, the funniest thing is Timothy Bottoms, who what's the most famous <laughs> movie? He's Last Picture Show, maybe. Yeah, probably. Uh, he looks so much like George W. Bush. He's cast. And I believe he's played him again in both comedy and dramatic roles. Uh, yes. Typecast now as the the one of everyone's least favorite presidents, even Republicans now. But <laughs> yeah, like a show that everyone sort of lost interest in. But like, uh, man, those repeats. What are you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's an oddity, and it it makes sense that it wouldn't go on for very long. Mm-hmm. But. Just actually following through with this and doing it, yeah, that's fucking nuts. And yeah, to have you know, Timothy Bottoms, who's it turns out I didn't know he's a good comic actor, yeah, yeah he's very funny. Kurt Fuller, who yes. elevates everything, it's Carl Rove, <laughs> and Carl Rove, god, he's so good. So it's like to this day, because he's such a hey, it's that guy. When we see mm-hmm. Kurt Fuller in something, my husband will say, Oh, it's Carl Rove. <laughs> I believe yeah, platonic Wallace, love can exist. Never, men. Yeah, if you never got to see Bob Newhart show, Marsha Wallace, yeah. oh my god, she was. So funny. I, Yeah, whenever I think of her now, I don't even think about Bob Newhart or Miss Krabappel. I just think of her in a maid's outfit, wandering around with her hands out going, I'm in a K-hole! I'm in a K-hole! <laughs> I definitely remember that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's just one of those random things that just gets stuck in your head because it's so fucking weird. Whew, speaking of presidents, hmm. holy Lord, the West Wing, 17 people. Yeah, that I pulled this out. Oh, This is a great episode, one where there's a lot of stuff going on, but it's called 17 People because in this episode, it, it follows Toby over the course of four days where he's slowly putting together all the pieces and figures out that there's something going on with President Bartlett. And so he becomes the 17th person to find out that he has MS. And he gets, you see him confront 
Jed Bartlett and basically say the things that everyone should have been saying to him. How could you do this? How could you deceive the American people this way? Yada, yada, yada. They've been dealing with this MS storyline, but nobody knew about it until now. And now they're going to really start dealing with it. It's like a real turning point in the show because... Was this the second season, Sarah? Yeah. Okay. This I'm, I'm is the second remember, season. Because I remember like, they could potentially impeach him because if he didn't disclose that on his medical forms when he took the oath of office, he could be impeached because of that. Is that what, is that what I'm remembering? Yeah. That's, that was yeah. The yeah there's, there's a big argument about, like, they're not going to impeach him. He didn't get, he didn't break any laws. He's like, you don't have to break a law to be impeached. Mm-hmm. Right. <sighs> I thought about that recently. Gosh, I don't know why. <laughs> a side thing that's also going on here is that So at this point, Aaron Sorkin has brought on the character of Ainsley Hayes, who is this Southern blonde belle who's playing one of the good Republican, one of the good ones, a Republican that they bring into the White House to, I don't know, still don't know. She's a lawyer. I'm not sure what she actually does there. But I think about this exchange all the time. She's debating with Sam, played by Rob Lowe, about (laughs) the necessity for the ERA, because apparently in this world, they're talking about bring back the ERA to get ratified, which still has not happened. Yeah, we're um, still talking about it, though. What, what's the ERA? Yeah, I mean, happen. I know, but but some of our dumb listeners don't. Equal, Equal rights, rights amendment. amendment. Ah, I see. And we, we don't actually have it codified into law that you have to treat men and women the same, regardless right. of their gender. Right. Yep. So throughout this episode, she's kind of arguing with Sam and like bringing up like different reasons why she opposes the ERA personally. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to this last breaking point. And this scene is like Aaron Sorkin at his, I don't want to say best, because I don't think this is good, but at his Sorkiniest. <laughs> at his, at his, at his cokiest. <laughs> yeah. When someone's making a very passionate, wordy, articulate argument that doesn't make fucking sense. <laughs> like, yeah. just, like, the way she says why she's against the ERA, bitch, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's what I want to say. So I had to pull it out because I think about it a lot and I need other people to hear this. A new amendment we vote on declaring that I am equal under the law to a man. I am mortified to discover there is reason to believe I wasn't before. I am a citizen of this country. I am not a special subset in need of your protection. I do not have to have my rights handed down to me by a bunch of old white men. The same Article 14 that protects you protects me. And I went to law school just to make sure. So all Sorkin shit gives you the poor <laughs> the poor understanding in your adult life. You'll be able to give speeches without anybody interrupting you and then coldly yeah, right. leave the room. Never happens. <laughs> Never. Never. Not happens. once has that happened Mm-mm. for me. But also, what are you talking about, girl? Like... <laughs> Have you lived in America? Like, don't remind me how unequal I am. I'm a rugged individual. I don't need your help. Not have the 14th Amendment then either. I mean, I'm not wearing a mask of ERA. (sighs) (laughs) Anyways, I think about it. It, That character, I enjoy her mainly because I like Southern accents, and yet she says some of the dumbest shit on the show. Anyways. (laughs) I also just wanted to talk about, so I was, as I was researching this episode, I found a website, 17people.com, mm-hmm. and it is a extremely beautiful infographic breakdown of this one episode. And it's a guy wow. who just said, like, I just love this episode, and I wanted to break it all down. And he goes through all the storylines, maps out, and it's <laughs> oh my gosh. gorgeous. And I was like, what am I looking at? This is amazing. I don't know if he's done any other pages for the episodes, but it's 
really cool. And so I just had to like make sure I wanted to talk about it. You should check it out. Wild. It's weird. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little map of where all the different characters are. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. I really thought 17 people on website, you were going to promote lasertimepodcast.com, but look, here we are, somewhere way better. And then bringing it right back to my buddy, Alec Baldwin. Uh, SNL this week, All Alec right. Baldwin hosts again with uh, Coldplay. From oh. my knowledge, this is their first performance because they're doing Yellow. And I don't remember a Coldplay song before Yellow. Yeah, we just had the release of that album. Right. Mm -hmm. Parachutes, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, the most notable, and I'm saying most notable because I'd never seen it before, I didn't realize how recurring the peach sweaty NPR sketch was. <laughs> and uh, I love that sketch. I love Alec Baldwin doing his most Alec Baldwin-y voice ever. And I love more than anything, Anna Gasthire's impression of NPR hosts mm -hmm. is so good. <laughs> wow. I don't want to. I don't want to get loud and offend anybody, but I love the way she does this. This is the Peach Sweaty Balls sequel. I have too many clips of it because there's too many great moments to highlight. I'd never seen it before today. He's not bringing his balls back. Now, Pete, um, you've gained quite a reputation as the king of stadium oat cuisine. Oh, that's right. I'm proud to say I've won great acclaim for my takes on popcorn, Cracker Jacks, and pretzel bread. Mm. But I think what I'm most known for is my wiener. <laughs> Your wiener. Wow. You don't say. Oh. I sure do. Would you like to see it? Absolutely. <laughs> so I was like, eh, this isn't going to work. That's not that funny. A couple of great things that happened. Uh, one, Rachel Dratch has replaced Molly Shannon, if you could not tell by that clip, and I, she does a great job. I love making fun of NPR shows, and I'm playing these because these don't even need to be televised to be funny. That mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> not even slightly. well because it's a radio yeah. show. I think I think so. I, I think that's the only reason they're televised to begin with is so you can see they're holding hot dogs, uh -huh. greasy <laughs> large hot dogs. Is that some wiener or what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a doozy, Pete. Now, is that a foot long? <laughs> oh, you flatter me. I did not think this That's would... That's like ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <there's... laughs> wow, because they're lightly chewing. And then perhaps the greatest non-finable slip-up in FCC SNL history. Wow, Pete. This peanut... <laughs> <laughs> that applause break goes on for like 30 complete seconds... <laughs> And for the second time in history, Rachel Dratch is choking on food in a, a very hard to dislike <laughs> SNL sketch. And Alec Baldwin is like looking at his lap. It is the it is the hardest I've seen that man try not to laugh at something. That woman might be the first person to say peener on national television. <laughs> peener. <laughs> Sorry, I I'd never seen that before today, and it's not on YouTube. And lastly, for television this week, The Sopranos, Second Opinion. You can hear me talk about this on Talking Terrific Television, uh, which Diana and I were, were or are going to be on recently. I can't remember. But I love talking about Sopranos. My buddy's over there. But Second Opinion relates to Uncle June wanting a second opinion with his cancer. And mm -hmm. if you remember the season, Melfi, or, uh, uh, Carmela is going to, to therapy with Tony, and this time Tony doesn't show up. And it makes for a very, very awkward encounter. I, I just love this very episode awkward. in particular because it's like, it's why the show's special. There's very light mafia shit. It's just a bunch of like old white dudes failing to cope with modernity. And <laughs> oh, but embracing one aspect of modernity that they all loved, which, which is the Billy Big Mouth best. <laughs> <laughs> and that same thing that happened to Tony happened to me when my mom saw it. She still brings it up how, how scared I was. 
when the Billy Bass popped out at me singing the same song, and I immediately thought of Sopranos. And I cannot believe they put in the episode as a big pussy dream sequence uh, it's reference. It's incredible. Such a good callback <laughs> yeah. because that whole scene is Get just Tony looking at it mm-hmm. and he's totally amused, got mm-hmm. a little smile on his face. And then he flashes back to his dream where big pussy is a, a fish lot. talking to him. He immediately flies into a rage and cracks the Billy Big Mouth bass over what is it, the bouncer's head at bada bing the guy who's bada been bing. beaten with like exclusively lightweight that plastic objects <laughs> that poor guy yeah. but then at the end christopher and polly walnuts get to share a little a fun moment where they just are watching that billy big mouth bass and cracking up together well, I, I, <laughs> it's I, so funny it's a, it's a tension reliever but like the episode we talked about diana and i were on talking about pine barrens and this is part of the escalation of Christopher and Polly that will kind of settle down after Pine Barrens. But like it makes mm-hmm. Pine Barrens more special if you've watched them become a little more adversarial after Christopher becomes made. Soprano is still one of the best shows ever made, I can assure you. Uh, and Diana, in her never any quest to close out the most 2001 song of all time, what are we about to hear? Oh, what about games? Oh, games? You, did you really want to hear about Snoopy Tennis for the Game Boy? Yeah. It's exactly what it sounds like. But uh, but Dr. Mario 64 <laughs> is out this week, and that is also exactly what it sounds like. Although, strangely, I think the last... I love Dr. Mario. Most people know what... Sarah, you know what Dr. Mario yeah. is, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The song haunts me. Yeah. Fever, chill. Both <laughs> songs. Um, this is the last Dr. Mario. There's been Dr. Wario and Dr. Luigi, but never a... a other than the awful iPhone version, I've never been a new console Dr. Mario. It's, a, it's 20 years ago. Could be wrong. We'll just I'll bring up my air on uh, patreon.com slash laser times 302010 games edition for April. But uh, what are we closing out with, Diana? All right, so we are closing out with Get Over Yourself by Eden's Crush, which is about as high on the charts as it's going to get. This is the most 2001 thing ever uh, because it is based on a show from the WB, which is Gone. They were active for two years, 2000 to 2002. So 2001 is their sweet spot. Mm -hmm. They are a manufactured girl group from the show Pop Stars, which was kind of the first attempt before American Idol, where, you know, reality competition shows have become popular overseas. They tried to bring it to the u.s it is a girl group that is very very 2001 and sexy i didn't realize one of them is nicole scherzinger who would do the exact same thing with pussycat dolls a couple of years later all i heard was roger 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 and yeah and just watching the video was just like oh we want to be the spice girls so bad please everyone learn our names our names are on the video look we're wearing very short shorts we're singing really generic 2001 pop oh please are they wearing their names on their uh, shirt, or are they just giving subtitles like the Coyote and Roadrunner? Subtitles. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I know, that- they should get shout-outs in the song, you yeah. know, to, like, let you know who is singing, but it is worth watching. You want to know what 2001 felt like before the unfortunate thing happened? This is 2001. It's just... Wow. This- that's what it was, yeah. It okay. was stupid. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of Butterfly, a little bit of Eden's Crush. I like it. Let's close out with Get Over Yourself by Eden's Crush, but people, stay right there. 2011 is right ahead.
Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of April 2nd through 8th, I think we got uh, kind of an essential movie here. Celebrating its 70th anniversary, A Place in the Sun, starring Montgomery Clift, Elizabeth Taylor, Shelley Winters, and directed by George Stevens. Yes, A Place in the Sun from 1951. This is kind of an essential classic movie. It's based on an American tragedy. Uh, it was written by Theodore Dreiser. And it's a pretty simple story of, you know, a, a poor guy who's related to some rich folks. And he wants to get ahead and falls in love with, you know, like the rich, the rich man's daughter, who is played by Liz Taylor as literally the most beautiful person that ever existed and at the same time though uh, a man's got some needs and does bad things with you know a girl from the other side of the tracks played by shelly winters and gets her pregnant and now she's standing in his way hmm i wonder if that american tragedy thing is going to come up oh yes it will for a movie that's about you know someone making some very very bad decisions like you really end up caring about Montgomery Clift and he's one of those classic actors that I feel like is being forgotten even though he was so much of an icon at the time like where is the James Dean like culture around Montgomery Clift I don't know but there probably should be one if you've never seen him in anything or you've never seen young Liz Taylor in anything A Place in the Sun is an amazing place to start it's sexy without ever being very sexy like because it's 1951 it's interesting the performances are great it's got just the kind of an electric feel to it. Just, ah, can't say enough nice things about A Place in the Sun for 1951. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Bringing us into 2011 is Nyan Cat 10 years old? Nyan Cat 10 years old came out in 2011. Beloved Pop Tart Cat in Space bringing rainbows and happiness. Bringing rainbow Pop Tart Cat. Uh, now a non fungible token. Wow, I, I didn't even label yeah. this. We just got to, we got to experience it with you. <laughs> Do you remember like this endlessly looped and people were timing how long they sat through it? Like, <laughs> the time before YouTube dominance? Yeah. I, right. made, I made it like six hours. Just, I did yeah. a whole work day. Uh, yeah, I went with a short version, but I did see a 10-hour version. Yeah, just, it's an endless like, loop. Let's not do that <laughs> yeah, to anyone. Fun to say. Uh, well, also, really fun Halloween costume. I made Michael a Yankat Halloween costume. <laughs> it was pretty great. That's you know. Fair. All you need is some felt and Wait some like liner. Are you are you uh, fabric liner? Are you behind some of Michael's best Halloween costumes? Is this, I is this all coming together? Involved, yes. Did you dress yep. him as Italian Spider Man? Yes. God, that was good. <laughs> well, I made that shirt. He did everything else. <laughs> Including But if there's the crafting involved, then yeah, it was me. <laughs> oh, that was, uh, he, Michael's really good with costumes. Hmm. Yep. It saddens me he's had no opportunities in a year. Um, yeah, the end cat costume was good because yeah, you just make a giant pop tart, you put on cat ears, and then you uh, make a pride flag and hang it off yourself like yeah. a cape, and now you're Nyan cat. Woo! <laughs> Yan cat, that's out this week, uh, April second through the eighth of twenty eleven. We also got Hope by the Blackout, Reckless and Relentless by Asking Alexandria, Capo by Jim Jones, and So Beautiful or So What by Paul Simon. These 
Music releases are confusing as hell. Paul Simon, contemporary artist. Born This Way by Lady Gaga is still number one. Tiny bit of news to bring you into 2011, especially those of you fresh off of your viewing of the last blockbuster on Netflix. No, a bunch of people were talking about that. In 2011, 10 years ago, Dish Network buys the remaining assets of a bankrupt blockbuster for 300... What assets do they have? What the hell? I don't know. Leases still? Driving school... VHSs? I, I don't know, because like when we talk about Blockbuster, I think the one thing they didn't do that you think is insane is they didn't make their own entertainment. They would sometimes buy up an exclusive rental, like the Boondock Saints or something mm. like that, but they didn't make anything. So I don't know right. what they, they own. There, there should have been a Blockbuster Studios, but they never bothered. Come in here. You can't get this at Hollywood Video or Movie Gallery. But Dish Network, I don't know what the hell that that has to entail. But at the time, they were trying to get their Netflix service off the ground. It should have worked better. Yep. But it, but it also they sucked. had the chance. They, they the chance. lost it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They could have bought Netflix for chump change. It's difficult. They to were feel... offered it. They said no. Yep. Uh, what did Christopher <sighs> Moltisanti say? I miss Block. That that carpet and candy smell. I love it. Like, I miss that aspect of it. But their late fees were heinous. Uh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Remember when they got rid of late fees? The, like, like right at the end. What? Right at the end. Yeah. It was it was when they were trying to push their Netflix service too. But um, man, I, yep. I'm curious to see. I what... always hated Blockbuster. I yeah. think it's the, just the fluorescent lighting. There was something about it, and and just the feeling of like the thing I want, it's not going to be here because I, I, I like things that more than six months old. I wish you could imagine Diana being a giant movie fan. And then all of a sudden, the person you've been dating for a year gets a job at Blockbuster. So this is not my problem. But all of a sudden, I have access to like 14 free movies a week when movies were like a ver- a $10 ticket or a $20 buy. I mm-hmm. had endless free movies. And I she, wow. would, she would even yep. steal me the inserts from the DVD covers. So I would then burn them. <laughs> and I have like the right DVD covers and my fake <laughs> Taiwan DVD cases. It was that was a that was a great time for me. You guys think you may have had a good time in Blockbuster, but I I had a lot of fun with someone wearing a Blockbuster uniform. That that shit was great. And yeah. so, okay, uh, once or see. twice in a Blockbuster, but yep. <laughs> yeah. it's still my favorite Blockbuster story of all time. Is I of course I had friends that ended up working there and they'd yeah. slide me movies and whatever. But whenever they would, they had a set amount of product of mm-hmm. movies, and so whenever something came in, something had to go. And right. my friend. Worked at Blockbuster, and they got rid of Sid and Nancy because Free Willy 2 needed to be wow, stopped. Fuck. And she quit, she quit that day. She just walked off. She's like, fuck I, you, no. I remember that because I got my <laughs> previously viewed stuff there because they had that started that thing. Guaranteed to be there, or you get a free rental. So they would buy like 80,000 copies of the newest releases and have to push everything else away. But I didn't even think of what they were pushing aside. It's so mm-hmm. tragic. Yeah, it's, it's, yep. it's, I have a ton of fond memories at Blockbuster but I don't actually like Blockbuster. Uh, I keep seeing shirts in Target. I, I love movie rental places. I still do. Yes. And, See, that's the thing. It's not that I hate movie rentals. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like Blockbuster. I love Blockbuster. It was the only game in town where I grew up. Uh, and there's one relatively close to our house. And every Friday, we would go to Blockbuster. And that was a great feeling. Pick out a... What? <laughs> that was a great feeling. Like, like, Friday, you go to yeah. school and then Picking go to Blockbuster. Picking out a movie and then going across uh. the street... Grabbing our pizza to hot go pizza from on your Pizza lap. Hut. Mm. Hot pizza in your lap. Anything to go back to this day. And for the seventeenth <laughs> for the seventeenth consecutive Friday, honey, I blew up the kid. That's what we'll be watching. <laughs> uh, for me, it was clueless, but I hear you. <laughs> Man, uh, Hop is still number one at the box office as we get into movies of 2011, April second through the eighth. Uh, also out this week, Henry's Crime, probably the bad 
flourish there because Keanu Reeves is in this. So is Vera yeah. Farmiga and James Caan. This sounds like such a cute movie. And a lot of the reviews were like, eh, it's okay. And that Keanu Reeves plays a guy who goes to jail wrongly for a bank robbery that like some of his buddies did. And he ends mm-hmm. up taking the rap in jail. He meets his, his cellmate is James Caan. Who's, you know, like an old hard hood. And then when he gets out, he decides, well, fuck it. I did the time. I'm going to go do the crime. Right. I'm going to rob it for realsies now. Double with jeopardy. James Caan and some other guys. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. Um, and it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of cliches and it's kind of cute. A bunch of the more than one review said that Keanu Reeves was the wrong pick for the role. Like, you know, that. he's likable. He's fun. But it's like he's too laid back for someone who's like, I'm I'm going to plan a heist. You right. know, I'm at the end of my like, rope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You seem pretty chill, buddy. What the fuck is Soul Surfer? <laughs> we talked about Soul Surfer. We did? We did. Yes, we talked about it on our Shark Attack. Oh, oh, episode. okay. Ah. Carrie Underwood, yes. Dennis Quaid, uh, Lorraine Nicholson, and Helen Hunt, and Anna Sophia Robb. It's too yeah. many names for a lady. It, it's based on the book. It's a true story of this girl in Hawaii. I didn't realize it happened at a beach I've been to, tunnels on Kauai. And uh, she's out surfing, and a shark took her arm. Mm-hmm. I remember this, yes. It's yep really um it's actually pretty good for a movie i like this i mean it's very inspirational but it's very like heart-wrenching in in places and it does have a jesus-y tint to it for sure yeah. but yeah um, i believe i believe she's she's an evangelical christian and has yeah. made a big deal about like her faith really helping her and eventually like yeah. you know she can will she ever surf again and it's like yes damn it she's gonna try to surf again and yeah yeah it's, it, but you it's, know uh, inspirational a little jesus-y yeah, but it's not a bad movie at all. I don't like disparaging no. religion, but how do you believe in a god who made sharks? Oh my god! Like just beady little uh, eyed, very He's easily you. beady little eyed liquid monsters. Amazing. No man, they scared yeah. shit out of me. Mm-mm. Yeah, sh- sharks and crocodiles. Like, there's a reason they haven't evolved for like a hundred thousand years. It's because they're already perfect. No, exactly, it. God's perfect, the perfect killing, killing machines. machines. Oh. <laughs> Someday, if I had the money, I would surprise you both with each one of those and record the shriek that you let out. Kill it now! <laughs> no, I don't want to pet one, but I think. <laughs> I'll leave them alone over in Australia, but oh man, it becomes your problem in the Gulf. Who man, and I had a tough time with this film, Michael. Oof. Oh yes. Oh, so I'm not alone. I, I I was worried that we were going to have to have a fight here. No, like this movie. I, I felt like an I felt like an old man, like an old reviewer. Like I'm not sitting through all of this shit. I, I love nope. the cast. I love the premise. I love some of the stuff that they did, but I found this movie to be excruciating. Michael excruciating. Clark yeah. Thank you. Damian Lewis, Toby Jones, Justin Thoreau, Zoe Deschanel, Natalie Portman, James Franco, and Danny McBride, and your highness. The good brother. The mighty prince and future king. The other brother. Woo! Who's the prince with the most dashing mustache? Me. From the director of Pineapple Express. It's a woman. In order to save their kingdom, they'll have to display their manhood. With our huge muscles, we shall protect you. Oh, really? Oh, really? That didn't really go as planned. Your Highness. I I loved Andy McBride, and I even loved the Mm. kind of character he plays and wish he played it less, but I could not. Yeah, dude, I could not get behind this film at all, and I really wanted to. I did not realize Mm -hmm. this was a David Gordon Green. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a shame because I love Pineapple Express. He had like done very little wrong at this point, so like, why not make a higher budget studio movie? And it just it reminds me of a uh, what's that movie? Year One. Yes. Oh yes. yes. That's exactly right. what it reminds me of. Yeah, a, a big where waste it of money. Be, 
it should be more of a parody yeah. but yeah. it isn't and all the jokes just don't land like where are the jokes like where are they there's yeah. is that one yeah well uh, i think that my favorite is... my favorite joke is danny mcbride's english accent which really comes and <laughs> <Yeah>. goes <laughs> that's pretty good but yeah not only are they not jokes but it's like I think are maybe they're going for like a visual joke here, but it's just disgusting. It's just something disgusting that I have to look at mm-hmm. on the screen, you know, like yeah. no. And Natalie Portman, dude, yeah. what the fuck lady? What are you doing? She, I you honestly just think she's Swan. I honestly think she's good in this since like no one told her not to. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, yeah, every other joke is butts, poop, or, and then they got high. Weed. Yeah. And just tons of weed. Yeah. Some cool and also Damien Lewis. Are you doing this movie? We call him Tiny Mouth. He has a very tiny mouth. <laughs> is is but, he, that the guy in a uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Play Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know him from Homeland. He's he's right. but I know for a fact he's not Hugh Laurie. And no. right, but almost. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to tell British men apart because they have no lips. Oh, oh, None wow. of them makes his mouth look even tinier. Just one of those things that once you notice it, you'll never stop noticing. Like, yep, mm. Benedict Cumberbatch, no lips. Look with, just none. Look Doesn't have you. any. We are going to get letters from the posty ghosty or whatever they call it over there. <laughs> 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 but th- yeah, I found this like, yeah, th- there was no fun in this. And yeah. I was really disappointed because I, I, you know, it didn't look good at the time, but like, I'm sure there's something to mind from this. And it just wasn't enough. I, yeah, I'd love to hear from a big fan like, of it. Just the, just the comedy bits of Princess Bride just go in that yeah. direction. Wow. No. Wow, even thinking about this next, there's there's less boobs and butt, but yeah, The Princess Bride is funnier pound for pound than Your Highness. Oh, yeah. A movie marketing itself yeah. as a balls-to-the-wall comedy. Man. Yeah, just, no, I was so disappointed because I like so many of the people and I I like, you know, genre parodies and like they made me like, oh no, we're not doing a genre parody. I said, well, maybe you should have. What is this if that's not what it is? Yeah. I don't understand. I think, um... Are we are we in a Game of Thrones world at this point? Mm-mm. Very no? close. L- literally this month. This yeah. would have Each to be way. a Lord of the Rings. I, I don't know where this came from, but uh, yeah, yeah. Robin Hood men in tights. <laughs> yeah, a, a bona fide class. Yeah, but I'm also all, terrible. I'm just naming things where people wear tights that is better than this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And um, yep. I, I did not have the heart to see the next film. Okay, so I did, and I'm I am so ready to talk about this because. This I, I I'm gonna need help here because we need to talk about what does what makes a remake good. Mm. Now, is it good if you just take a good movie and then just do it exactly the same? Mm-hmm. Is it? Are we getting into ship of Theseus here? But is it a good <laughs> remake because you just photocopied, or yeah. is that bad because you added nothing new? Yes, mm. that's what I remember, that's what I remember the criticism being. I also remember like, and I don't hate this person. But a seemingly short-lived fascination everyone had with Russell Brand, where I feel like mm-hmm. now we're like moments away from being on the same podcast sponsor conference call. But mm-hmm. but Luis Guzman, Nick Nolte, Jennifer Garner, Greta Gerwig, uh, Helen Mirren, and Russell Brand in the remake of Arthur. The nonsense has to stop. Why? Our last item up for bid today. $20,000 of money. If you don't marry Susan Johnson, you are cut off. Oh, excuse me. Well, I don't like you very much, and we've been happily stuck together for 30 years. They should not get married. You're running from yourself, are they? My, my only note on this, not having seen it, is like Dudley Moore made 
this movie so famous, everyone's impression of Dudley Moore became his performance in Arthur. Yeah. How, how dare you? Like, how are you supposed to to do that again? It's like someone trying to play Brando's part in The Godfather or some shit. Like, like all, all this was was like, eh, it's a premise we can do. We got this British guy that's mildly popular right now. It, mm-hmm. it, it was the right age for it. It just seemed like very foolish. And yeah. So I I love the original Arthur. Yeah, I, think, I think it's great. I mean. A lot of it is like, okay, if you can't take Dudley Moore's shtick, then the movie's not going to work for you, but it has some incredibly funny dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so does this, and they're not stealing lines, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, point one, they're not just stealing dialogue. Appreciate it. Russell Brand is fully committed, but again, if you can't take his shtick, you're going to get really sick of him really fast. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, technically I enjoyed watching this movie, but because they changed so little... Mm. Why would I bother? Yeah. I mean, okay, here's here's one thing that I really like that they changed because as they just explained, Arthur is a giant adult baby with about a billion dollars and he throws it around like crazy. But he's, he's a nice guy. He has a drinking problem, but he's a good person. I love one of the ads calls him the only lovable billionaire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so that's his shtick. And he's being set up to marry the daughter of this other corporate big wig and otherwise they're going to take away all his money and it's jennifer garner playing a bad guy which okay that was fun Mm -hmm. and i like that they give her more of a reason to go for this because in the original she's just kind of a sweet nice person who's just like oh arthur i can change you i'm deluded ha Mm -hmm. and here it's like no she's a hard charging corporate woman she has reasons to want to do this and she is going to you know bring him to fucking heel smack mm. and it's like okay thank you you've actually you fixed that character i i do appreciate that and i i appreciate that greta gerwig is the love interest instead of you know average blonde lady mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like that's kind of what i was expecting that they would take someone as quirky as liza minnelli and replace her with jennifer aniston just someone Ooh. who's just yeah, yeah greta gerwig is a good choice to re- not replace liza minnelli but i can see the through line there yeah they're very different but I get it. Yeah, yeah, and they have good chemistry, and Helen Mirren is just there to do the John Gilgood part of being very dry and British. And mm. it's like overall, no, this movie is fine. If it hadn't already been made, I would be loving it. But it's already been made, <laughs> and it feels the same. We got a coast to coast Helen Mirren. This we week. got a. That's true. We do have a coast to coast Helen Mirren. Is she going to solve a murder here? No. So I hate. Yeah, I'm just. I'm like stuck. Where it's like it wasn't that it was bad. It's mm. just that. It left me with the exact feeling of the original. Does that mean that it achieved its goal or does that make it a failure? I am so confused. It's it's it sucks when you see a movie that reminds you of something better, especially when it's a remake. Yeah. And, and I was seeing Ricky Gervais was like this was built around him and he just said, "No. Fuck that. I would yeah. never do that. I would never be And I don't think this they would even have approached this if Arthur didn't have a terrible sequel." <laughs> That, like this should yeah. be a franchise. Yeah, that's. I was wondering because I mean, spoiler alert: both in the original and the remake, uh, the Helen Mirren character dies, and mm. I was kind of expecting them to not go there, so it would have more franchise potential. Wow. Mm. But then, is it just Arthur Two on the Rocks is so cursed that they knew not to do that, that's or is she just going to have a twin sister or something? I, I don't know. Hmm. It's so strange. Yeah, it's just strange. Where I just it was a lot better than I expected. I mean, because my bar was on the ground and. <laughs> I actually like a lot of good laughs, okay. but couldn't I just watch the original? I don't know. Yeah, I hate I'm it when so you, confused. I, I think 
there's plenty of space for movies to be remade, but I can't put my finger on it because I haven't seen the original Arthur in a long time, but I think that was kind of a, that's a point in time movie. Mm-hmm. Does anybody yeah, want to watch a, a spoiled probably, billionaire movie now? <laughs> probably one of the benefits to this sort of remake situation is maybe people who would not normally go back and see the original Arthur, mm-hmm. their interest is piqued by what they think is a more accessible movie and then yeah. want to go back and see the source material. But were they were they to deviate more and maybe update it for yeah. 2011? Yeah, exactly. They they don't deviate. They they fix like that one little problem that is not really a problem, but I mean, okay, that's a bit of an update with Jennifer Garner's character, but like there are some good remakes out there where like oh, yeah. they get the spirit of it right, but maybe they do something a little different. Thomas Crown Affair is always the one I go back to. It's mm-hmm. like that's a good remake because it's barely a remake. Yeah. You know, it's dead. like but they still do good and Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like they take some of the basics, but they kind of try to do things with them. But it's like the feeling is there, but the story is different. And this is it's just so much the same, man. Yeah, man. See, and that's why we gotta spend this whole episode. We recommend Defending Your Life, the original Arthur, and very much the next movie. <laughs> yeah. I saw in the I believe in the theater, I was very excited. Kate Blanchett, Jason Fleming, Olivia Williams, Tom Hollander, Eric Bana, and Sorcha Ronan and Hannah. You're dead. I've killed you. You must always be ready. Papa. Remember what I told you? I'd have to die. Go, go, go! She's a rogue asset. The target escaped. I won't stop until you're dead. Where she is. Where is the It's over now. I like this so much. I almost watched the Amazon series, which I will not do. But I really mm. like this a lot. Yeah. I just remember watching this and being so like, it was, I don't know, just very pleased by it. It was. Con- hmm. It was. I remember at the time the trailer came out, it was vaguely controversial. It's like no one had seen. I've seen like two more movies released this year that feel like Hannah, where a young teenage girl is a trained killer surviving uh, with a bunch of survival instincts. But I had never seen that before. So I thought the level of violence mm. was pretty fantastic given mm-hmm. little, little Sorsha Ronan, who's Jesus. I was looking through her young roles, like Atonement to This and then Lovely Bones. Like, wow. <laughs> you, didn't, yep. you don't get one kid's movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, that's part of the thing. Like, I had to check what her age is because she looks younger than yeah. she is too she's so, playing younger i believe yeah i mean she, she's like 16 but it's like mm-hmm. she she looks like 13 mm-hmm. and yeah she is just killing cops and breaking necks and you're like oh shit yeah. so yeah here's the story sir sharonan has been raised in the arctic by her dad eric bana with like incredible survival and fighting skills and preparing her for one day to basically mm-hmm. do battle with kate blanchett says look once we let Kate Blanchett know you're alive one of you has to kill the other okay go and then it's all about the sneaking around and escaping and intrigue and then then for a big chunk in the middle it's not which I enjoyed like the whole movie is not you know little John Wick <laughs> which is kind of how they're selling it little Wick I can't wait for that little animated Wick. series little Wick, little Wick. Uh, you know the whole the in- middle of the movie is her like actually meeting people and like becoming more of a person mm-hmm. and and then then goes back to the little wick stuff and then there's like a lot of neat imagery for like fairy tales about how like that Kate Blanchett is like the evil witch coming to get her mm-hmm. and that was kind of neat yeah I mean some of the middle I might drag a little bit for some people like I liked it but they might be like oh, get back to the murdering <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't know. Yeah. I, I, I really dug the, I really dug the movie and 
<clears throat> I've heard decent things about the Amazon series, but by decent things, one person who I don't know, because that's how, <laughs> that's how Amazon series tend to be talked about. Yeah, I, I mean, I barely knew that the Amazon series existed until you just mentioned it. I feel yeah. like I've seen like one ad for it. Amazon's making a ton of shows. Yes, not all great. Seem kind of expensive. Many of them seem really expensive. So I don't know what I was doing back to back Miss Maisel and Invincible. So like I, this weekend, so like I'm not shitting on Amazon Ooh. shows. Just most of them. What is Goliath? What is Bosch? But <laughs> well, those are very very similar. But uh but yeah, I yeah. loved Hannah. I thought it was just such a fun. It was a fun movie. Yeah, Hannah's well mm-hmm. worth a watch. Yeah, a, a, a little little cute Rambo movie. Yeah. And, oh, that's it. It's Lil Rambo. Lil Rambo. Um, yeah. But yeah, television of 2011, the NCAA March Madness Finals. <laughs> Connecticut beats the state of Butler. They're dead. Butler, the 52nd state. <laughs> and they're not uh, a state anymore. They're not? Because Connecticut yeah. beat them. Oh, is that what happens? You change state? That's why we don't have the so state much. Butler. You could have totally convinced me of this when I was 11. This, this could have... <laughs> That's why like Duke's a not a state. In a state like the yeah. Vatican. Duke's not a state now. Arizona took it. And Duke still sucks. As a huge uh, part of my pandemic streaminess has been a lot of my lady friends programming, which means I am very excited to announce the 10th anniversary of Workaholics. This came highly recommended back in the day uh, when I was a cord cutter. But uh, mm-hmm. thanks to a little bit of streamy goodness, I have caught up on most of Workaholics. I find it... I, I always think it's its about to veer into like just disgusting dudeness, but it's still always <laughs> like Marx Brothers-ish funny. Like they're, they're not mm. they're not indestructible cartoon characters, but they're fucking wonderful idiots who are capable of coming <laughs> up with good ideas. I, I've watched more of this show this year than I have ever watched in my entire life, and I've come to find it very charming. Okay. Workaholics. I always missed out on it, but I've always oh. been afraid that I'm missing out on it. I, I remember like, us when us creative types out on something good. working on screenplays, talking about we should make a show about us and what we're really doing. What we meant yeah. was to no. make a show about what we wished we were doing. I think we would have come up with a bad version of workaholics, guys who are stuck in dead end jobs but extending our college glory days even though i didn't really have any of those and these guys clearly didn't either they're hated by everyone they've ever met (laughs) mildly more likable than the always sunny guys but uh yeah workaholics i I, i've had a great time with the show and the the side characters i am shocked it went seven seasons i think this seems like the kind of show that would go like three seasons maybe and then be canceled too soon and would be a cult hit so i especially with adam divine divine Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm He kind of took off pretty yeah. just a couple of years after this because he was in Pitch Perfect, and then yeah, no, I mean, no, kind of... those guys are in a t- like I see those guys everywhere when I watch comedies now. They they may be like the mm-hmm. sixth lead or something like that, but they're dependable comedy guy. I, we had uh, Dominic Dierks, uh, one of the writers of the show, on our, our our podcast, and I was telling him how much I like the show, but my cord cutter lifestyle means. I watch it all in one sitting and then I don't think about it for 365 days. And I, fucking, <laughs> I hate that shit. But Workaholics, I've watched a lot of it lately, including the debut episode, Piss and Shit. <laughs> piss and Shit. It's describing a drug test. Like, what's your piss and shit? Yeah, genuinely charming show. And uh, coming back for a movie or two, he says with a question mark, to Paramount Plus. I believe that's part of the Paramount Plus bitch, is there will be new Workaholics content of some type. I don't 
think it'll be sad because it started out that way canonically. But a lot of fun, a really a lot of fun uh, uh, side characters on that. Jillian Bell being a, a big highlight. You see her in a ton okay. of stuff now. On the third of of April, the Borgias debuts. Borgias. The Borgias. Well, is that how you say it? I want to do it like mm-hmm. Triumph. The there is so at this time, I believe there are two simultaneous Borgia shows going on because there is also a Canadian one. Oh, that oh. was very similar. <laughs> probably a lot so, nicer. <laughs> shortly after, like probably a couple of years after this debut of the Borgia, which I believe this one's the Showtime one with Jeremy Irons, I believe. Right. Yeah. And shortly after that, I saw oh the Borgias on Netflix, so I watched it and I loved it. I watched the whole run of it. It's like, when is Jeremy Irons going to show up? Like, at some point, he's got to show up. Yeah, it turns out I watched the Canadian one ah! all the way through. <laughs> but the Canadian one, oh, I don't remember the guy's name, but the the main character is played by one of the major people from um, The Wire. Ah. So I've been meaning to go back and watch this Borgia's <clears throat> with Jeremy Irons because, I mean, what could be better? I mean, the Borgia's were I, – I like – it's like a – time period in history i love learning about and it's a very sexy and castles and people having weird relationships i don't think i'd even heard about the other series Mm -hmm. the the one that i guess it's canadian french german czech italian co-production yeah but it's created by tom fontana who did homicide life on the street and oz well that's why that guy's in that then the the wire guy and then the Borgias, the Showtime one is created by Neil Jordan, writer-director of The Crying Game. What is happening? Why? Why? They should have teamed up to make one, like, really awesome one. Anyway. Right? And well, they both premiere in 2011. That's so yeah. confusing. Yeah, I know, right? It's a big impacto profundo situation. <sighs> uh, um, bugs life to their ants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, I imagine either of the Borgias is good but i watched the non-jeremy irons one which i do recommend loved it but then also the same day the killing debuts the killing was a fantastic amc show sam and i got really into it watching it it's based Mm -hmm. on a danish television program but the killing premiered on amc and it went for four seasons and it starred two of my favorite people to see in other things now mirel enos and joel kinnaman Mm-hmm. Really? I love them both. Okay. Yeah, I thought, um, thought you knew one of the girls in the show. I knew them. Yeah, one of them's from, one of them from here, from oh. from our home, from my hometown. Yeah, oh. I made an ass out of. She's a very pretty lady. I made an ass out of myself on numerous occasions trying to play Halo and impress a pretty lady who would go on to be an actress. Amy, but uh, but, but uh, th- was this it, this was saved by Netflix though, wasn't it? Yes. This was a show that got canceled twice and then brought Jesus. back twice because <laughs> people liked it so much. It's really fantastic. It's a great show. Yeah, I I've heard it. nothing but good things. Yeah. And, and, and that yeah, I, I really liked, I think I dropped off in the second season. Mm-hmm. I I liked the first season because it had like a really realistic depiction of grief. You know, what mm-hmm. happens when uh, someone, I think you. someone's daughter dies and like how they're trying to deal with it. But I could see a lot of people being like, nothing's happening. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, because you're depressed because grief. I'm sorry that this is not like, it's not criminal minds. Okay. Everything doesn't no. wrap up in one episode. It's, you know, it's serialized and it's pretty serious. But yeah, I thought it was really good. And I, I want to see Muriel Enos in more things. Me too. World War Z and Big Love. And then I don't know where the hell she is right now. Yeah, she was. She had a short lived. Guess what? She's the bad guy on the TV show of Hannah. Oh, wow. What? It all comes together. 
love it. Okay. Yeah, I know she had like a very short-lived show with Peter Krause, I believe, on like ABC where they were like spies or something. I don't know. No, wow. I love when I feel shit bad comes to... together. That I'm, was cool. I like to grab all the SNL stuff I can. I didn't know this existed, and this is the last thing on our <laughs> on our map that's not games. SNL musical guest and host. Which rarely happens. Not Deion Sanders. It is Elton John. Sir Elton John. Bragging <laughs> about his new kid. Um, yeah, I have not seen this episode at all. I did not know this happened even slightly. And I never knew I could laugh at Elton John until the Kingsman sequel. Where he's foul mouthed and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. The whole movie is only eh, but my God, he's great at it. Yeah, uh, I have not Thank seen Thank you for them. reminding me. I totally forgot about that. Yes, just screaming curse words from a prison cell the whole time <laughs> as himself. And then wrap up, uh, but stay tuned because there is a quiz about who was born and who died during this period. The video games of 2011, uh, April 2nd through the 8th, the Dishwasher, colon, Vampire Smile, Dungeon Hunter, colon, Alliance, I don't know anything about what? any of these games. What does the dishwasher colon vampire smile? I don't know. So I haven't looked into word it. Word salad. Much. It's an Xbox Live game. Uh, it looks like an indie made by uh, Ska Studios. That is the glance I took. And by glance, I mean I hovered over it and let part of that pop up on my window. We go more <laughs> in depth on patreon.com slash laser time with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys, Michael Rapares, and Manny Allen. Listen to Laser Time this week. Please listen to Bonus Time. The Dan episode is finally up and done. I squeeze a little bit into the erotic thriller episode, but like the whole thing is there for patrons, which is this wonderful story of being a child actor in the 80s and Dan learning to embrace a very traumatic portion of his life that just so happened to occur in front of Mickey Rourke and Kim Basic. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast or 02010podcast. And coming up next week, uh, we have a adaptation of an animated show slash comic that is supposed to be a mini feminist masterpiece that no one respects. And also, <laughs> Renee Zellweger is going to do a British accent. <laughs> While she looks for her Mr. Darcy, mm. but he's right there. Because he played Mr. Darcy. So many, <laughs> I love it. Like, every lady knows what you're talking about, and none of the men. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's speaking a secret language here. I've seen it. And with that out of the way, who, who died during this period of 30, 2010? Well, in 1991, we lost author Graham Greene, who's 86, not the Native American actor. That's confusing. He wrote The Third Man. He wrote a bunch of mm-hmm. lots of stuff. He wrote, I think he wrote Our Man in Havana that was in last week's Classic Corner. Anyway, in 2001, we lost Ed Big Daddy Roth. 69. Nice. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is the, the custom car artist uh, who created like Rat Fink and stuff. Oh, awesome. Yeah, when you think like, when you think Hot Rod Culture, Ed Big Daddy Roth is, to- it, he's integral to what you're picturing. And then uh, we also lost Beatrice Strait, who is 86. She has the Oscar for the shortest performance of all time, and I don't think anyone is ever going to beat her. What, what, it's what really it? hard. She plays the wife in network and she has one scene that's about five minutes long and she kills it Mm. supporting her she's also in poltergeist yeah yeah she's cool all right uh and with those people who are dead we got to raise uh we got to raise up for the living just like uh defending your life we got to move forward uh with reincarnation who was born Mm -hmm. this week on the birthday quiz Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong, doodly-doodly, ding-dong-doo. So this is someone who I didn't want to make it too easy, because I every way I usually do this would be too easy. So we are not going to do movie titles. 
We are going to do character names. Okay. All right. This person is turning 60. He was born April 3rd, 1961 in Brooklyn. Here are the movies of his that we have talked about where he plays Inspector Scott Roper. Ray Gibson, Lance Perkins. Um, shit. How about Chandler, Gerald, Saul, Dave, or G? Oh, God damn it. That's a... Oh, I feel very close on that one. Quick Brown, Evan Danielson, or Ida Mae Jensen? Dude, these are all like... These are these are like... Oh, these are like just lightly tap dancing on my low, but I can... I can... Uh, that's oh, why I, I did this on purpose. So, uh, we got talked uh, about a movie where he plays himself. Nicolas Cage? Nope. How about James Thunder Early? Fuck! John Malkovich. Nope. What movie would that be? Being John Malkovich. He played himself. (laughs) He did play himself. Okay. That's why I was thinking John Malkovich. Oh my god, I know John Early. Jeff Ramsey. Like the peanut butter or the the moving image on the internet? Like the peanut butter. Okay. Don't know it. Respucia. Respucia. Hank Azaria. Eddie Murphy then. No, Eddie Murphy. Yes, thank you. There. Damn it all. There, I thought you were going to get me on Jeff Ramsey there because we love Bowfinger, but also Donkey John Doolittle, Reggie Hammond, Randy Watson, and Sexual Chocolate, and <laughs> Axel Foley. Those were Eddie Murphy's roles from <gasps> Metro, The Nutty Professor, Life, Imagine That, The Golden Child, Coming to America, Meet Dave, Holy Man, Harlem Nights, Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, Eddie Murphy Raw, that's where I played himself, Dream Girls, Bowfinger, Norbit, Shrek the Third, Shrek Forever After, Mulan, Dr. Doolittle, Another 48 Hours of Beverly Hills Cop 2. Would we, we had fallen really hard over Donkey, Sarah. Don- <laughs> donkey, I'm proud that we both got it on Mushu. Even though I got it yeah. faster. I must like Milan more, having seen it See, once. I feel like mm. that was like a, a lag issue. Mm, yeah, oh, oh, look at that. That's the first time that's been blamed for a, for a devastation. <laughs> The entire See, pandemic. but it was so tough because that is 19 movies that we have talked about on this right. show, and he is number one or number two build on all yeah. of them. Automatically oh associated God. with every one of those films. Yeah. Yes. When you put yeah, it that way, it's like, is there a bigger star than Eddie Murphy? Yeah. I think that's it's it kind of tough. Yeah. It's kind of tough. So getting into his background that I dropped because it might, I don't know, Chris might have listened to a podcast or something. Uh, I didn't realize his parents broke up when he was little because dad was mm-hmm. cheating and one of his girlfriends stabbed him. Ooh. When uh, he went to live with his mom and his mom got sick and he and his brother Charlie were put in foster care for a year and he credits that with helping develop a sense of humor as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Since then, his films have grossed $4 billion. <laughs> foster hey, kids, geez. you can do it. <laughs> I think he's got like over 10. He's yeah, got a, he's got he's got a, a lot, lot of kids. Didn't he make fun of that when he was on SNL? Talking about yes. like, I'm only here because my kids like Lizzo yeah. or something. Yeah, I just saw, <laughs> yeah, I saw another thing too where he was like, yeah, I just love kids. I love my kids. Like that's why I have a lot of them. Like, all right, and, yeah. And, and because he he hasn't talked to anybody for so long, you can He's absorb got a lot of kids to raise. You can absorb every yeah. interview Eddie Murphy has done in like the last ten years because there's like six of them, and I've done it. I love that man. Love that man. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. Only sixty now. I thoroughly, 60. I thoroughly recommend, and I I would love to do an impression of it if I wasn't so tired. The comedians in cars getting coffee. Where Eddie Murphy explains every Planet of the Apes movie to Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> really, they go forwards and I'm forward through time, Jerry. It's it's amazing. You got to see this movie. It, like it's it's awesome. It's the cutest conversation. I forget what a dork Eddie Murphy is. Big Star Trek, Planet <laughs> of the Apes fan. Loved mm-hmm. Ed Wood enough to get hire the guys to make his own Ed Wood with My Name Is Dolomite, one of my favorite movies of the last decade. Yep. Mm. Oh, that's true. I forgot hearing mm. about like what a freaking nerd he is. Yeah, Eddie Murphy Which, rules. Yeah, I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Always makes always makes me happy when I find out someone's like 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh he, he he's got a standing D and D game with like a bunch of writers. And you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. like Joe Manginello. Manginello. Yeah. Manginello. Manginello. I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Manja. But that is thirty well, twenty ten, baby. Go watch an Andy Murphy movie. Really yeah. missed that dude. Glad he's back. Yeah. Uh, interested in doing stuff. Speaking yeah. of that, we're gonna close That's, out with Lenny yeah, Travis. Seriously, and ain't over till it's yeah, over. Dolomite is my name. Yeah, really good. I love his performance in that so much. Yeah. I really, really do. I can be up there in that light. Um, and yeah, totally Rob. And defending your life, Hannah and original Arthur. There's your there's your recommends for the week. Patreon.com slash laser time. We'll close out with Lenny Kravitz in and over till it's over. I feel like we should be fighting the man with closing out something like that, but uh, you know, whatever. We're just encouraging Eddie Murphy to work more. So <laughs> tell a friend about the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.